Welcome, everyone, to another week with your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. It's Mordechai Weinberger, Licensed Clinical Social Worker, and Hira Nissen. So it is an honor and a schuss to be able to take your questions and comments. The number to call in so we can take your question or comment along the mental health field is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. And we are going to go to our first caller, Mrs. Q. Mrs. You're on the air with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hello. Yes. Good evening. Um, Good evening. Did you, first let me ask you, did you stop taking questions by text? Happens to be we very rarely take questions by text. This program is a live calling program, and we aim to take questions by voice. And Baruch Hashem, we always have, we usually have a full a full array of people lined up, so we take questions by text, but as you realize, people enjoy or people get more educated if they can hear the person, the oh. back and forth. Yeah, so I had a technical callers. question. I thought I wouldn't bother you, but I would just text it in, but maybe I could ask it here. That's How it, yeah, if you text it in, chances are we're not going to take it right now. So thank you. Good. What is your question? Um, Jayruth and Kobaroma, what is the difference? Oh, let's go to a different area. What is your question? Is there anything about the mental health what? field that you would like to ask? No, a technical question. No? Great. So we're going to, let's leave this for right now, and we're going to go to some of the so emotional So what's the number callers. to text? We don't okay. respond really to text. We're here to take emotional questions. Whatever question you'd like to text, um, I'm saying if it's an emotional question, you can ask it. I'm not sure where we're not being clear. Right now we're here to take emotional questions. So thank you for calling in. And just before we go to the next call, the number to call is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. We do have that last week, it was an interesting question that someone asked about a baby that was crying and that it was so hard, all those different points. And I mentioned it could be more. Someone else called in and said, well, we should really be telling her that it's very likely that it's normal and you need to take time and the babies can cry. Well, anyhow, what, I, what we were discussing is there could be so much more that's going on that we don't know, and I didn't want to ask that lady what was the underlying stories because it might be some things more issued. At the end, the woman sent me a message after the program and said the reason why her baby is crying that much is not the baby is colicky, not that they need help, not that they don't know how to deal with it, but the baby actually has a condition, has sort of an acid reflux or whatever condition it was that the stomach is not stable, and it's causing the baby a lot of pain. So their doctors are working on different medications that would help. So just to be aware that we can take from that is that many times when there is a question and I hear a question, or sometimes the listeners, we make an assumption, oh, that's the answer, or that's exactly what we should do, and we're so clear and we're so assured. What we want to remember is that there's a lot of information that we don't know, and until we don't get a full, a full history or a full evaluation, we really should not be making, um, we should not be jumping to conclusions. We can make assumptions, but not to think that we know the exact answer. So thanks a lot for reminding me, the person with the baby, that with the question that they've reminded me. We are going to go now to Mrs. H. Mrs. H, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. Yes, hello. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. Um, my honor. I called him before already, and you've helped me a lot, so I'm trying again. All right. With Siata Deshmaya, we hope we will be able to. Okay, so I'm a teacher for teenagers. 
before that, before my question, I'd like to thank you for an answer you gave to someone about giving in plan books. About giving? Um, a while ago, I think. Sorry, say that again. I'm not getting my, it. Someone asked a question a few weeks ago about that she doesn't feel like she, like her principal's not asking for a plan book. She doesn't feel like she has to give it in. Yes, yes, the lesson plan books. I didn't hear what you were saying. Yes. Okay, so it taught me a lesson that you should take responsibility for yourself and do whatever you have to do and let everyone do their job. So thank you for that. Right. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for that. And it's really one of the big secrets of those that are in management, those that are in supervising is where, where you see what separates those people that just about make a wage or those people that are a little bit more successful to those that are very successful. It's those that take the initiative, those that move on, those that don't wait for others to wait and to try to help out. Those are where the power comes in from. Okay. Yes. Great. Okay, so let me ask you my question. How uh, would you deal with a class that has very much peer pressure? Okay. Well, is it a new class that you're starting, or is it last year? Is it the beginning yes. of the year that yes. we have a whole year yes. to work on it? Okay, so the new class. It's really a very loaded question, and I personally believe that there should be more trainings out there for teachers because I feel this is a very common issue that you've got with classes. So just for you to be aware, this is very, very normal. I wasn't thinking uh, about a course. I was thinking about a few tips. Right. I got you. I got you. I just need to give my bit of information, which means that although people like tips, courses are many times more important. But now that I've said that, let's go to some tips. Tips number one is it depends on the teachers. means the teachers set the attitude. If you focus on marks only, then you're going to be getting a lot of competition. If you focus on any results, which is who got the best, then you're going to get a lot of competition. If you focus on teamwork, having three, four people do exercises together and having them and seeing that each one did the best and you, you mark them based on their effort, based on their creativity, not based on the other ones, then you see, then you see classes that work together. If you mark them and you give part of the grade, how much you helped another team with if they had a question or another group, and you mm-hmm. get marked for that, then you start promoting diversity, then you start promoting creativity, then you start promoting teamwork. So you might even mm-hmm. set in whatever work you would give is, and part of the questions are how much did you help the other one? So instead of making it who is the best, it's what you liked. So just as another example, let's say you give a little project, you then have everyone or each group or each team or every person have to give three compliments what they liked about the other person's project. And if it was derogatory or snide remark, then you, they would lose points. So they've got to start thinking about what was nice about the other, what was creative. Do you see the difference when you start working as mm-hmm. a teamwork effort or when you start doing as who's got the best mark and those that have the best marks are the top and those that don't have the best marks aren't? Right. So the focus is what exercises or homework can you give that will take group effort, that will take three, four people doing it together. That's how you start promoting teamwork. And it's not about who gets it right. You start asking what did you, how much time did you spend together. Did you spend 10 minutes on it? Excellent. 20 minutes, great. You spent three minutes? No, that's not enough. We want you spending time together. And you give little projects. Mm-hmm. 
So that is one of the main points, how we go about... But even groups, like they would have competition who is the best group. Let's get it clear. You might choose it for whatever reason you liked about it, but it's not about what's the nicest. You might say, this group, everyone was a tie. I like the effort that this one put in. I I like the creativity. In other words, it's not Mm -hmm. who gets the highest mark. You might say, you know, I even like this one more, but then they lost points because they didn't work together as a team, or one person did it all. Once you stop promoting teamwork, or they didn't include the class, or they didn't, have to, they didn't spend time helping other students in the class to, to better their project, means it's teamwork. That's the mm-hmm. concept of Kalyusrol. The Kalyusrol Raven Zelazad, the amazing organizations that we have in Kalyusrol, because it's not me or you, or which is a better one. It's about how we work together, how we help more people. And that's what we can start promoting with our, with our students, with our children. Stop only focusing. Imagine there's a test. Someone gets a test. And part of the mark in the test that you could put in is how long did you study with someone else, whether they're smarter or, not, or, or needing help or not needing help. You start promoting teamwork mm-hmm. as part of the mark. The more teamwork you put in, you can get, you'll improve your mark. So instead of extra credit should be an extra three questions, extra credit at 10 points will be how much time did you study with someone else? Now you can start picking who to study with, and you can start dividing it. The concept is okay. teamwork. It doesn't always have to be in the school. Maybe in marks you do have to stick to who's putting in more effort. But there are extra jobs, especially in a girl's school, in girl classes that you can do, extra credit work. Right. So the goals are well, that's my question in general. Like in such a class, I should keep myself back from. I'm not talking about like displaying marks and everything, but let's say I should keep back from doing like regular stuff, like you always do, reading up a good writing from a girl to give a good example. Like you would say that I should rather not do it in such a class. I would say you can focus on that, but take a random four levels and complement each one. This one you'll complement the writing skills, the sentence structure. This one you'll complement the creative idea that they have. You would mark them for creativity. You might mark, imagine you don't have to mark them from one to a hundred based on the same principles of how well did they write, how well did they spell, and how clear was their thought. Maybe you can also say this one gets, you can give a 1 to 10 on 5, 6 different points. This one got major on creativity. This one got on penmanship. Mm -hmm. Mark them differently. Stop equating each one. Look at a paper and start marking it from 1 to 10 or 1 to 100 based on what you liked of it. So they're not equal. It's about starting okay, to diversify. It's, I guess, I guess doing it, I guess doing it like hands on because no matter how much she tells them that everyone is individual, I guess they look at the teacher what she does in the end. That's right. That's right. That's exactly. I get it. it. Yeah. So it's about starting okay, to individualize and getting them working together. Give them projects where they work together. So imagine you're teaching them plus, minus, times, division. Have a friend call another friend, but you pick the opposite ones in class many times. This way, you should, st- you should start building connectivity. If someone didn't call, even though they get 100 on the test, they'll, they might just get 100. But someone did speak, or they did call four times the friends to study, then they might get an extra five points for each time they called someone. Then the other one that got 100, they'll see, wow, this one got a 70, but then they called four times. And now they got an, and they get five points for each, so they get another 20 points. Now they got a 90, wow. Start showing, start giving points, start giving credit for connecting to other girls, but not just their friends. You pick who is your one to connect with. 
Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate You're it. You're very welcome. And thank you for that. Okay, we are going to go night. to Mr. L. Mr. L, you're on the air with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. Yes. Yes. Hello. 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 Yes. I can ask? Go right ahead. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm fostering a child, a 17-year-old child. And she's been hospitalized over the past four years, four times, for non-specified psychotic problems. uh, Can you just repeat it again? What's your relationship, if you wish to share it on air? What's what's your relationship with this 17-year-old? I'm just fostering her. You're... You're what? Her? Fostering her. Fostering her. Yeah, fostering. That's right. I'm not sure what that means. Means you're just a volunteer. Um. Yes. Just okay. A volunteer. You have some well, relationship. In other words, I, I just wonder: Are you someone that can make decisions, or are you just someone that's that uh, that you're asking a question? You know, I just I just want to get the image in my just get a clear um, Well, decision making is a is a is a big problem because it actually. She's um, uh, she's she's named abandoned child. Okay, okay. So, so that's the case. Okay, so there's let's see, an abandoned child which has had now four hospital um four I'm sorry, you said two hospitalizations within four years. Four, four, four. Four hospitalizations four. within how many years? Over the past four years, three, four years. Yes. Um. Yes. She's at the moment. At the moment, she's on what's called, um, actually in the UK, she, it's called the Piprizol, or maybe you call it a Bilify. Yes. A 15 milligram per day. Okay. Uh, I'm not a psychiatrist or a doctor, but generally from my experience, a Bilify is uh, uh, for major depression, for depression. Mm, yeah, actually, they're giving you something else, I think. But, um, right, that's the main thing. Could be a lot. Let's not go into the medications. What, let's start with your question. What's your question? My question. She the, is the behavior. The, be, the behavior. What about the she behavior? Ha- the behavior is like this. She many ways she can act like a child of three years when she's actually seventeen. Give me so, one example where she can act like a three-year-old. She can act like a video, yeah. Abilify is, I'm, I'm sorry, just, 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 to, um, well, butrin is what I was thinking of. Abilify is generally more for, for a little different stuff. Mood more, mood to say, uh, mood stabilizer, actually. Yeah. Yeah, the medication is not for the behavior. Yeah, not for the behavior. Behavior is a different problem hey, altogether. Can you give me some symptoms. Give me some ideas or some, or some pointers how she can act like a three year old. Um,. If, like, say, if it's time to go to bed and she doesn't want to go to bed, she'll just lie on the floor and scream like a little child. Okay. Yes. And that's one one way she can act. Um, if she doesn't um, want something, she'll 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 make it she'll make a tantrum like a little like a little child. Okay. Very good. I mean, not very good. I I hear that clearly. Okay. You understand yeah. what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. This is very yes. behavioral. In other, in other ways, she can act like very independent. 
for example, um, today she went to the, um, we got a phone call from the shoe shop where well, your, your child is here um, wants a new pair of shoes. So are you going to pay it? Yes. Okay, good. Now, what is your question? Okay. My question is, if she acts like a little child, should, um, when, let's say, such an incident of the day, should we confront her for this? Or is it just going to make a wild, like a three-year-old, and so it's not worth confronting, just keep quiet and go on further? Okay, before I answer that question, let me ask you another question. Why was she hospitalized? What were the symptoms when they were, she was taken to the hospital? Um, loads of anxiety, um, 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 obsessed, like on food, and so loss of appetite or just over overeating. And what was the reason to hospitalize her? Pardon? What's the reason that she's hospitalized? Usually you hospitalize when it's a little bit more serious. I just hear regular anxiety and OCD, let's say. No, it's 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 go like it's she, she yeah, she uh, her mind her mind was like collapsed. Cried and cried and cried and um, sicking and sicking and mm-hmm. sicking and not English a, term means vomiting. Okay. Yes, yes. In America yes. we call that vomiting. Good. Okay. So let me share with you a little information. Remember, this is uh, this program is for awareness, not for yes. really giving therapy. Now, yeah, yeah, I realize, yeah. Yeah. So let's go ahead and explain to you a little what's going on and how delicate the situation is. There are children that are, let's say, grew up, or let's rephrase it differently. When we have a healthy, stable background, means parents were raised as we're getting older. We have an emotional side, a part that wants things. We have a behavioral side or a logic side, a part that understands limitations. So we have a part that wants, a part that understands that we can't have everything. When we have healthy family, healthy background being raised, and even if we've got a bigger family, but we've got older brothers or sisters that are helping us out or raising us a little, there is structure. means the brain learns that I want something. And we don't always get it. And we learn to be happy even though we don't get something. So a baby or a little child might cry or even a teenager will get upset, but they will continue going on the next day or an hour later, they'll go back to learning. So what happens is when we have healthy modeling from our parents or from our leaders, which is from the Rabbanim, the Bach Shomrzeichah to have, what do we learn from them? We learn that even though it's difficult, we continue going. Even though we didn't get what we want, we continue moving on. Now, what happens to someone if they were raised in an environment where they didn't get this? Now, let's take in, in your case, let's say, where you're fostering a child, but the child, when they were being raised, they didn't get it. And unfortunately, if they were raised in a household where when you don't get what you want, you yell, you shout, you scream, you throw a fit, or sometimes, unfortunately, it's even more extreme, where you don't get what you want, where the parents don't get what you want, therefore you hit and I'm not just referring to a father's hitting, I'm talking about exploding, abusive, really being very painful, then what this child learns is, you know how you survive in life, or you know what's the normal behavior when you don't get what you want? You throw a fit. You throw a fit to such a level where everyone is petrified, so they'll give you what you want. Now, once this emotion passes, 
what happens is then the logic kicks in. The logic says, it was a mistake. I'm so sorry what I did. I didn't mean it. But then the minute the emotions get triggered, they want to go back to the old way. And this is many times what we're dealing with very much now in the United States. It's really all over the world, but in the United States, I want to at least speak for this, or at least I say in the from world in the United States, but it's really all over because the therapy is almost exploding in the positive way that people are learning and training for it. That's for a personality disorder. Personality disorder mm-hmm. is a short level, level, which is sounding a lot what this girl has, but again, I don't want to say this because I hear so many other issues. I see that they're concerned of, they might be concerned for the emotional mood swings that she's having. It could be chemically induced from other levels. So I'm not going into what it is, but basically what a personality disorder can be are wonderful, great people, but the minute the emotion gets triggered, they never learn emotional regulation. They see things as very extreme, black and white. I'm sad, the whole world is sad and bad. I'm happy, now everyone is great, I love everyone, I'm sorry for every pain I ever caused you. There isn't the emotional balance. I just spoke recently to an interesting, to a Rosh Hashiva. I was so impressed with the way he spoke to a bacher. And he was just telling me how he's speaking to a bacher, that a bacher that was having a little bit of a, you know, more an extreme. When he learns, he wants to learn great. And when he has friends, he doesn't have the best of friends. And the Rosh Hashiva said, I want to pair you up with, with another bacher to learn, Benastarim, connect. And the bacher says, no, no, I want a top bacher. And what the Rosh Hashiva was telling him is, no, I want you to get to balance. I want you to learn that you can learn with Chaveirim, you can have a great schmooze with them also sometimes. means don't be, as he's saying in Yiddish, other amaloch, other agaloch. Either be completely atzadik or the other way around. Learn the balance. Learn the gray area. And sounds like that's what's a lot that is missing in your situation. So now you're asking me a black and white question. What do you do with her when she goes to a store? We first need to recognize, are they giving her Ambilify because they're afraid she's bipolar? then if it's a chemical issue, which means that the brain isn't regulated its chemicals, then you need medication to stabilize before you deal with anything. If they're worried that it's a personality disorder, then you need to know how to balance things slowly, how you guys to be strong when she throws a fit not to give in. If we're worried about that she's got, let's say, OCD or she might have some other eating disorder, we might need to start seeing what else can we soothe you. I understand you have now a big pain. We need to be able to speak to her. You have a need to self-soothe, so you're trying to spend, like some people call it emotional eaters or shopaholics, that one of the best therapy modalities for them is shopping because they're down. So what we need to do is that we want to be able to soothe the emotion. So with this 17-year-old, don't know if it's a boy or a girl, but whoever it is, we don't know exactly what's happening. One thing is clear is that you need to be safe and you need to be strong that when you say yes, you'll say yes. When you'll say no, you'll say no. And when you feel you need to change it to feel comfortable and safe within yourself to be able to change that and to do that. But very, very important is for you guys to be in therapy, for you guys to get the guidance. Your guidance isn't a question once in a while. <coughs> Excuse me. Your guidance is actually weekly sessions that you and your wife will need just how to deal with it. And that is something that therapists are trained, because your question isn't a one-time question. Your question is every single week. Your question is you'll have 20 questions the first week and maybe the first 10 weeks, but then you'll get the concept then you might notice that things are different, and you'll be able then to inform the therapist or inform the doctor. And the doctor could say, oh, this was depression, but this could be something else, or this is just the personality component, not the medication component. 
So when I work, when I get these questions to my office, we need to work closely with the therapist. We need to work closely with the parents to give everyone the training. And we also need to do the family work, which means having this 17-year-old with the parents to start setting up some boundaries. Mm-hmm. So notice that your question is something that takes several therapists, several Session. almost many, many times hours. I just spoke to someone today that just told me there's, I'm not going to go into where, but there's a certain treatment center, like a place where they work for people with, with people that have eating disorders. <clears throat> and they start off about the first two to three weeks of six hours of therapy a day. Wow. You know, sometimes people are busy with 45-minute sessions. No, no, they need the group therapy. They need to have their individual therapy. They need to be able to do exercises and practices and to start identifying different stuff. And, again, it's a group of people in it. So they get their individual therapy. They get their group therapy. They have the time on their own where they've got to do their work. A lot of these issues take many, many, many hours of work, not this, like, 45-minute time by a therapist. You go to the psychiatrist once in six weeks. I realize what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh. So what I'm saying is it could be your question was a fully loaded question about a very, very complicated question where, where we're not even sharing the diagnosis or the dual diagnosis. Dual diagnosis means there could be two or three different diagnoses happening at once. And mm-hmm. we can't, we, I can't even recommend to start a recommendation like what do you do when she's at the shoe store. It depends what the diagnosis is, depends what's being active right now, depends what's the, what, what treatment plan are you working on and where are you working in. I realize. Did you get a little bit more aware, a little bit wiser than you were before the call? Um, yes, I realize it's I realize it's very very complicated, and I realize that that in here in the UK they're not giving you anything of what you need. So that's where I'm standing. So I'll just share with you a little bit of a positive story that I just had recently. That someone told me they're in the UK. And as you know, for, for many people listening over here that they're very worried, you know, very worried that America were pushing medication. And I do agree that we give medication way too easily. But there, someone was just informing me that someone was in England, and they were going over and over to the psychiatrist, which in England the medical doctors are the first form where they give psychiatric services, the medication. And then you go to a specialist. So when you go to a psychiatrist in England, you, it's actually when it's a lot more advanced, when the medical doctor couldn't do it couldn't get it balanced, but this person was going for about two years to a psychiatrist in England, and there they don't like giving medication that much, and they weren't getting their life organized, and then they went to Eritrea, it's a lot closer from England to Eritrea than to America, and within eight weeks of being at a psychiatrist in Eritrea, just where they were, just raised the dosages to higher levels, there were huge changes, and this person's life is changing. So just to be aware that I'm not attacking the U.K. system. I happen to appreciate the U.K. system where they don't jump into medication, and they would give time a process. I told several of my clients, you know, had you come to me and we'd be in England, I wouldn't even be mentioning medication. But because we're in America and they want things moving so quick and moving so fast, so unfortunately we need to do that. On the other hand, sometimes when a case needs to be pushed, what is happening is that in England, they won't always push the medication. So just to be aware, the strengths of each area and the downsides of each area. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Okay. Thank you very, very much. Yes. Hatzlacha. Oh, mine. Oh, mine. Shkoya. Yes. And siyata de shkoya. Oh, mine. Oh, mine. Yes. Hatzlacha. Thank you for staying up so late. 
Harv Nissa, what do you say to this last question? Because now that it's over, what were your thoughts about this? Uh, this definitely you answer all the the things that what's supposed to be you know because it really uh, it, you know that in these cases it's like the other sides need to, to get the therapies or you know, the the instruction how to deal with the situation like any it's like is uh, is like right now as 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 in a profession of uh, fostering a, a, a difficult girl. And uh, you need you need to the the guidance. Otherwise, it's it's it could be disaster for them. You know, I believe that's that right. It's it's, uh, it's amazing. First of all, Yishal Koch that he's doing it. You know. Yes. And yes. I know that's you know, not. I forgot to mention that. Thank you. They are tzaddikim. Do you know what it is to take someone into the into the family? It's very you know, it's very and then tough. Have difficulties. Yes. yes. It's very tough to see, and especially it's not yours. And uh, it could be this person can be, uh, you know, violence, can be, you know, destruction, the neighbors and all around, you know, as I said about the shoe store and stuff like this. It has to be a very, a very good uh, guidance and a very patience. And I would say that Siata uh, Dishmaya, big, big Siata Dishmaya about it. And yeah. Bezad Hashem, this is now hopefully that none of uh, of us or none of the kids that need it. But uh, unfortunately, right now, this is situation. So yes. we, we will go to um, Mrs. K. Mrs. K, great. And the number to call in for those of you that would like to ask your question or give a comment is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Yes, Mrs. K, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. It's Miss. Um, Miss. I called a few weeks ago, um, the beginning of the school year, um, regarding starting the new um, and uh, being a bus monitor for older girls. Oh, yes, I remember that one. That was a great question. So let's just okay. remind everyone, your question was that it was the night before you're starting and you're worried that if you're going to have older girls and younger girls on the bus and you're a bus monitor, you're worried that the, if you tell the older girls to sit down or to, be, or to behave, then they might get upset at you and there might almost be like a little revolution going on. Oh. Something along those lines. Was that your question? Yes. Well, they won't like you, or they'll get upset, and they'll talk between their friends. Correct? Yes. And what was the suggestion that we gave you then? Um, Give it time. It's normal. Ago. You'll see once you're in there oh, less than a week, you'll see how natural you are, and they're all going to like you. Correct. Good. And now we're a couple of weeks since then, so let's hear. It's Exactly um, what, what you um, said. And you're aware of this, I couldn't, even asked her I couldn't have imagined that. that it would be um, as easy as, as it is now. Um, they, they, you know, in the beginning I had to keep reminding them, and I told them that this is, you know, just to get you to school safely and not, not trying to be mean in any way. And, um, and I just want to get everyone to school safely, the little kids and the big kids. And yes. Hashem, I, I need one, one or two reminders here and there, but Hashem, they, they know already you know, to sit where they sit, and they know not to, you know, not to stand in the aisles. And I made everything clear in the beginning, and now Hashem, it's, it's very, very easy. And I'm, I really, really thank you a lot for that, that reassurance because I was so nervous. And great. So now, what I'm going to ask you a favor. 
And this is from me and her of Nissen. You see, when we speak, many times, or at least when I speak, people go, oh, yeah, you're the therapist. Everything goes easy for you, or you just speak. But in group therapy, the beauty of group therapy, therapy is that the therapist doesn't say that much, and you have more the dynamic of the group helping. So what message would you give people a night before or a week before? Because I remember when, I, when, we, when you asked your question, me and her of Nissen, I asked her of Nissen, because I didn't want to just be me. Her of Nissen was telling you also, Anytime we do something new, even when we're experienced, there's still some concern. And this is the first time you're doing that. And you see how easy. What would you tell people out there the first time you're going to do something, or even if you've done it five times, but the first time you're getting back to it, what message would you tell people? And say it strong. Oh, say it powerful. I'm telling you all. What are you saying? <laughs> it's really not so scary. It's, it, it, may be, it may be scary, but once you do it, it's not, it's not so hard. You just have to jump in and... That's right. And so it's normal to be afraid, all and we told you. You're supposed to feel it, but don't not do it because of that. Beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate the feedback. Harvnissa, what do you say to this? I tell you, I wasn't with you. Oh, okay. This, yep. I really, this I really, really, up. I really appreciate it because I was already very stressed about it and I was ready to call them and tell them that it's not something I'm going to do and, and I was reassured and I was a little nervous the first day and and Baruch Hashem I, I couldn't have imagined that now I, I turned around well, on the bus today and well, I listen, this is someone that everyone was up sitting at the beginning of the year that she was going to be a bus monitor and she was afraid that the girls won't like her or the older girls if she'll be assertive and what we both told her was it's just a normal process it's normal to be afraid Try it two weeks, you'll see how easy it is. And she's calling up now saying that after the first day, she saw how easy. By the second day, she was already calmer. So okay. she's calling back with a positive feedback. So, thank you very much. the beginning of the year. Thank you. I remember this question. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I wasn't the other line. It's amazing. It's, I, I, look at, I look at the bus and I, I can't believe that it's something that I've done because it's not my line of what I enjoy doing. It's not something that I've done. And I guess I, guess I, I could control all the kids. You know, if, if I need to, and if it, you know, comes on, it's like it comes up up to me. So I really, yeah. really appreciate your show. And, so and my little request is now, as they say, to pass it forward. That when you speak to someone and they're nervous or they're tense or any time in the future that you're going to have it, just tell yourself this is normal, and just pass it on. Just say, give it a week or two, and you'll see how things calm down. Thank you so, so, so much. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Sure, have and a have a good night. Great. The number to call in is 718-683-5858. And we are going to go to Mrs. J. Mrs. J., you're on the air with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. Yeah, hi. Yeah. Hello. Yes, hello. Hi. Um, I have a question. I took a haircutting course last year because I like doing hair. And this year okay. in school, they are giving us a course. Now, girls are going to approach me with certain questions that I, they feel I can answer them because I have some experience. And I feel like, why should I share with them my tips that I acquired through experience and to paying over, over $2,000 for this course just for them? And, but I don't want to be mean and not answer them. Ah, I really appreciate your question. And let's take this question to me. Why would I ever share any of my information when I can charge money for my time? Now, let's not go into marketing. Let's not do that stuff. Why would I do that? On the other hand, 
people that do do that don't are am I not giving away everything? Am I not giving away all my information? What would you say about me? I don't know. You're helping people. Okay. So what I really want to get to, where I would like, really would like you to see is the balance between the two. It means recognize if you've taken a $2,000 haircutting course and someone wants to ask you a question or two, are they going to learn really how to do it? As when I answer questions over here, for example, I'm saying it's for awareness only. It starts getting an idea as to what's happening. They can't ever do what you're doing because you have your experience, your touch-ups, your way of style. That's yours. On the other hand, notice that I am not on the radio all day because I am also making part of my part. Also, if someone wants to speak to me privately or someone needs to know more details, then you've got to go to the private to the private practice. Let's take it to Rav Nissen. Right, Rav Nissen? Yes. <laughs> Rav Nissen gives hours away to the radio, but yet there is a balance somewhere. No, Rav Nissen, her question is, it's a fantastic no. question. Yeah, it's a fantastic question. I would say that from the Gemara, we have a, we have a very uh, big issue about it, that the people that used to make the Ketoret, the incense for the Bet HaMikdash, didn't want to pass it away, and it was cursed. And That's other people right. that want, you know, this, yeah. this is something that we, you know, at, I learned from my life that if I can, if I have, if somebody asks me a question, even if it's a very top professional question, I would never lie to him and I would say, try to say the, 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 the right answer. You know, you go to, to fix something in the house, you go to something to find it. And believe me, you have so many tricks, so many things not to say the truth, and you can you can make a lot ton of money by by banging on 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 a piece of metal and a boiler room, and thinking that you fix all the world, and then you just said, oh, I fix this and I fix this, and I just you know, and this, but and at the end, you're coming with your own experience, and you say, why should I do it in a five minutes? I know this, I can you know, in a two minutes, I can. Why should I? I wouldn't. I can charge a lot of money about it. Nobody can fix it, besides, you know, the people that really knowledge. So this is a very, very, uh, uh, you know, uh, as as Mordechai, uh, Mordechai said about this is a very, uh, then a gentle uh, balancing between the, that will, you know, issue. And if we believe that everything comes from the Kadosh Baruch Hu, nobody can touch nothing from you, nothing. If it's your panasa, if it's your shidduch, if it's your house, nobody can touch nothing. That's right. Now let me share with you the next step. When the, now that Rav Nissen said it, I'm so appreciative that everything comes from Hashem. Since I got more to the radio, and since I'm giving away volunteering free time to my phone line, I am being busier than ever. And this is something that the Sfarim bring down. And the more we give, the Rabbi Shalom sends you back. It's just amazing how it works. Maybe not the way we thought. But in other ways, it comes back. So let me give you an example. Imagine girls that just graduate, and they want to ask you how to cut, and you give them an idea or a tip or two, or you show them, you give them some time, and they cut several people's hair, and then they have a difficult, a difficult, let's say, cut. They don't know what to do. Who do you think they will refer to where they should go to? Will they mention your name if they just spoke to you the day before on something else? Will they mention someone else's? They refer to me. That's right. And that is why when you have Talmidim, 
you don't have people under you means they take away from you. What actually ends up happening is you start having the pyramid effect where they start sending up to you. But in order for that to happen, you've got to let go of control, let go of the fear that if I teach them, they'll be me. No one can ever be you. What they might learn is they might learn some of your skills, some of your techniques, but who you are is always special. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now, Thank you. Wait, hold on. Now let's take your question again. So can you ask your question again now with stating both sides? What do you see now? So I should be answering them because it's just going to help me. Yes. Where's the but? Where's the balance? What do you mean the balance? Balance. We didn't say, I didn't say yes. I didn't say go ahead and just answer their question. Her when shouldn't I? Oh. Um, do you know when you start answering questions and people start wanting favors all the time, could you just cut this and can you do that? Before you know it, you're not going to be having any time to work. I know. That's right. What I said is the balance. Which means so when I balance? work, when I, when I have my client's time, that's not for free. When I have the radio, I do the phone line, that is. When I have some chesed time, that's something else. But there's balance. Got to be balance. Mm-hmm. So am I telling you now to just answer everyone's calls all day? No, I was just talking like it's cool. Like during the, time, during the class, should I answer them? Or should Good. I tell now, them, like, ask the, the teacher... Yeah. How will they, how, now, again, sometimes you would want to, sometimes you might not want to. It's not a, always. It's just to be able to let go. The concept is to teach you that by helping others, you help yourself. But not always can you help others and do everything for free or give away all your time. You might tell them, I can answer your questions during when you're in that school for cutting, but I can't answer your question at night. Mm-hmm. There's going to have to be some boundary, boundary, balance. For those of you listening to me will always know there's the concept of balance that I discuss. It's, ne- it's usually never one or the other. Mm-hmm. Okay, Make thank sense? you. You're very welcome. Thank you. That was an interesting and unique question, a little bit different. The thank number you. to call in, you're welcome. The number to call in is 718 and we are going to go to Mrs. R. Mrs. R, you're on Mordechai and her of Nisim. I want to thank you for your show. I, I just want to mention to our uh, listeners, uh, I know that uh, it's uh, some problem with all the Internet in Brooklyn right now, and even the, the, uh, all the stations, the other station also, I uh, would say that the Fox News and all this online, so just be patient and uh, okay, we're trying to uh, to. F- I, it's not it depends on us. It's something with the uh, uh, the phone, the the phone and the internet lines. So okay, so uh, I'm sorry. We be continue. We continue. <laughs> you excellent. Okay. Thank you. Great. Yes. So uh, hello. Yes, we're back with you, Mrs. R. I'd like to thank you for your show. I listen to it every week, and yeah. especially for the awareness of codependence. Yes. My question is, um, if somebody is codependent, will it be like a lifetime struggle, even if if she works well, that's on a simple it? simple question. Even if you don't have an issue with food, is food a lifetime struggle, how much to eat, when to eat? 
when you have an issue with food and you learn how to balance it, it can still be a lifetime struggle. Same thing with codependence. Same thing? Yep. Let me ask you something else. When someone is working and they're making parnasa, do they have a struggle when to push themselves or when to slow down? Do they sometimes have that struggle to think, come on, if I work a couple more hours, I could do so much, I could give so much tzedakah, I can help my kids so much? I think it depends if, if he originally had a hard time with it or he has it naturally. That's right. So let's understand, codependence, these are fancy words. Mm-hmm. It's basically learning how and when to say no and when to say yes, when to say it's healthy to say yes, when it's healthy to say no, and not to feel guilty. So mm-hmm. as in everything, at the beginning stages, the first couple of weeks, months, or if you're going weekly, then it's weeks and months. Many times some people are even for years, but the beginning stages is harder, and once you master that, it gets much easier. Mm-hmm. And then it can get to a level where you won't even have such a difficult issue, where you can master it completely. Will you always have it? It depends on the person. depends how severe. depends on your marriage and how many kids and whatever else is going on, how healthy your, now your new environment is. It's depending on how close you are to that person that is dependent. It's depending on how many other issues are going on. How many other siblings are involved? You understand what I'm saying? The question mm-hmm. is such a general question, so in general, when you start, it gets easier, and we hope with Siata Deshmaya, you can completely be out of it. Mm-hmm. But okay. there will always be triggers under weak times, under stress, where we can fall. Now, there are people that, like, they don't have this problem at all. They can always say no. Yeah? I don't, honestly, I don't personally believe that, by the no? way. No. No, the only ones that can always say no without a difficulty are also personality disorder, are narcissism. But anyone else, we have a Yiddish hearts, we care, we feel. It's, you, you're supposed to have the difficulty of always saying yes and no. It's supposed to be, I don't want to use the word difficulty, but we're supposed to have doubts. That's healthy. Having mm-hmm. doubts is what makes us human. Imagine someone could always say no. That means they don't have a difficulty telling their children no at all times which is Mm -hmm. part of being a parent, is the balance. That's why babies are born, newborn, where we've got to give and give and give. And then we learn now as they get older to give less. Those parents that only say no and never give, those children are born, are raised with neglect. And that's usually Mm -hmm. a narcissistic personality disorder. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the Rabbeinu Shalom has no one to be born with that strict, I can say no with these unless they've got some issues. So okay. everyone that has a little bit, that has a little guilt, we should have given a little bit more to Dr. We Maybe we should have helped. Maybe we could have done more. That's healthy. That's called normal. Uh-huh. Codependents are those that say, I know I shouldn't give. I'm going to say no, and they can't say no. And if they do say no, they're walking around with such guilt that three minutes later they call up the person and say, okay, okay, I'll do it. That's codependents. Mm-hmm. Codependents are when they don't even want to hear that they shouldn't be taking care of their family. Instead, they're helping that person that's got a problem over and over. Uh-huh. Just, just going to announce the number. The number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Looking forward right, to thank your you so question much. or comment. 
And You're uh, I want you very so welcome. I just want to say that right now it's uh, everything okay and uh, the phone lines and everything is uh, come to the normal uh, normal situation. Okay, so let's see if we have some Great, callers. we got everything working now, so we'd like to have your callers. We have no availability to call up and to take your question. So the number to call in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And it's interesting, this concept that we're discussing now about this codependence, where the ability to say yes, the ability to say no, and the balance to know that we're supposed to have a little doubt, that's actually a healthy person. And many times people are hearing so much about codependence, we have to be able to say no. They assume that saying no, you won't have any regrets or any doubts. No. About having the balance is important, and that's what makes us human. We are going to go to Ms. M. Ms. M., you're on the air with Mordechai and her of Nissim. Yeah, hi. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. Um, first of all, thank you so much for your phone line and your book. And... Um, I actually called, and I think that was twice already. And were were you happy the first two times? Um, yeah, I was. The second time, um, you really helped me, and I don't remember what the first time was. Yeah. So let's see now. Go um, ahead. Question let's hear your question. Well. I'm going to. I'm going to therapy, and. Um, I I feel like there's like um I see so much what I'm missing, so I feel like my life is on hold now because I'm just waiting for I'm just waiting for it to get better. Yeah. I wanted to know if you have any advice on that, like how I because I know really there's no end, like it's always That's just going to be working beautiful. on it. You're already you're already taking the words out of my mouth. Great. So let's let's help you then recognize this. Let's go take this concept. So if there's no end, means we can be going to therapy for the rest of our lives. So then when can you actually, when can you start living? There's always the next level and the next level. So when do you start living? Right. So that's what I feel like now. Like it's like that's right. I'm just waiting for it, for it to end, but really there's no end. That's right. So I'll share with you a concept that I share with many of my clients, and then I'd like Harav Nissen to, to take this question. But let's start. What I share with clients is, and this is a concept that I share many, many times over here on this program, on the radio, and that is about in therapy, when do we learn or when do we diagnose someone? That means everyone's got a healthy step uh, amount of anxiety. Everyone has a certain healthy step uh, part of, let's say, OCD, where we'll double-check something once or twice. What makes something anxiety? Or we all have ADD that we can take several different thoughts. We're doing three things. We're texting, we're talking to someone, and we're ready to go do a task in two minutes. So that's ADD. When is something called ADD diagnosable and when is it normal? And the answer is that, we, that they teach us in colleges when it's affecting your life that you're not able to have a stable or healthy, productive life. Now let's take that same response to you. Therapy doesn't end. It doesn't. But what does end is when you're healthy and successful, you don't need to go to the therapist. You'll be able to continue growing through friends, through svarim, through marriage, through kids, through whatever else happens in life. When you need the therapist, that's the focus that we want to 
to say that that's when you're still growing and that's when you need a therapist. Now, let's take the next step in this. Let's say you're in therapy. How do you know when life is starting? When you're starting life. So you know life could be better, but are you living life today? Are you working? Are you meeting friends? Are you doing exercise? Are you davening or learning? I am, but I don't feel like I'm really living. I just feel like I'm just like waiting for, For you know, for... I'm just waiting for myself to get better. Better of what? Um, of what I'm going to therapy for. Well, let's look at it differently. What can you do to forget about that part? In therapy, we try to divide, I try helping clients to call it parts. means what happens is sometimes we focus on one problem and now we heighten that issue and our entire life is stuck waiting on that one component. Can you divide life, let's say, into 10 or 20 different areas? Your, your emotional friends, family, stuff that you do by day, hobbies that you have, points that interest you, some, some rachnius points, giving tzedakah, meeting someone, friends, whatever it should be. And when you would start saying, hey, 8 or 12 or 15 out of 20 parts of my life I'm successful at, you might look at your life, I'm a success. So that one area is holding me back, let's say in working or in getting married, but in other areas of my life I'm successful. Or this one area is holding me back from enjoying my kids, but I'm able to have a great relationship with my spouse. I'm able to, I'm still taking care of the kids. I'm just not feeling it. Do you recognize, do you understand what I'm saying? To not focus on that one problem, which I call the perfectionist. Life will start when this problem is, is gone. Life is at all times. And you can but the problem is that it is, well, society. So it is affecting everything in my life, from friends to relationships to everything and anything, right? How long are you in therapy for anxiety? Um, if you want to share it, because we're on air. You can well, pass. I don't want to answer it. Okay, a month and a half. Well, that's not called even beginning therapy. Now. Once you're in it for six months, then we'll talk. So let's understand you just started the process, and now you're feeling life is, hold, is on hold. Or like you want to wait till life gets better. This is something you bring up with your therapist. And the therapist, since they know your issue or where it's being holding you back, you can just start, okay, how can I see what I am doing? How can I appreciate what I am a month and a half is not much. In a month and a half, are you referring to going once a week, or you've gone three sessions in a month and a half? Once a week. Once a week. Great. So you're starting the process, and this is part of your adjustment. So you're, feel, you're sort of feeling like, okay, in six weeks from now, I'll be completely better. Now, anxiety is something that you learn how to live through first, and then you learn to grow. Does that make mm-hmm. sense, what I'm saying? Um, kind of. Yeah. So you're looking for anxiety, like when will anxiety be gone? And what you're going to learn to do is, I can live life and anxiety can show up and I'll know how to work with it. So it can be there for two, three days or a couple of minutes or an hour and life doesn't have to end. And I can still move on and right after that I'll still have life. The more friendly, the more comfortable, the more safe you are with anxiety, that's when it disappears. It's not anxiety is here and then it's gone. It's about living to live through life 
with the anxiety, and the more you're, cont- you're protected, you feel safe with the anxiety. You can go, hello, anxiety, you're my friend. What's your message today? Then you don't need it to disappear to live life. Mm-hmm. Is, is that making sense? Yeah. So what do you hear? What changed in your concept? That um, you shouldn't basically just, like, wait for it to be over. Um, but it's kind of like, you know, it's going to be here forever, and you just have to live with it. It might be there forever, but the more comfortable you are with it, that you're not afraid of it, then it has no power. Let, let me share with you an example. Let's assume I need to speak on the radio, and I'm afraid. What happens if I make a mistake? And I'm going on the radio, and I'm always, when's that mistake going to come? And then I see myself making the mistake, and I go, you know, it wasn't that bad. Or even if I make a mistake, this mistake, it's okay. So then next I'm, I'm concerned, maybe I'll make a mistake. Oh, but if it's that mistake, I'm okay. Maybe it's another mistake. Oh, I'm okay with that one. And as you start doing things enough times, you say, hey, I made ten mistakes, and it wasn't bad. Then you start thinking, oh, I'm afraid maybe I'll make a mistake. Nah, I'm not worried about a mistake. Do you got it? So anxiety, it's not about perfect. It's about living through it. So we have now about 30 seconds left to this program. So, Harvnison, I'd like to thank you again, and for all the callers that called in, and for those that are actually on the line that we weren't able to take you, appreciate you calling in, and we'd be zeichet to have a safe week for us and all of Klai Yisrael, and to be zeichet to have the Geula Shalema. Amen. Thank Amen. you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome.